Thank you guys for filling in tonight. Yeah, Bob called me and he said, I'm really sick. And he is really sick. I talked to him a little while ago. Um, so uh, thanks you guys for stepping up last minute. Ernst, thank you for stepping up last week. Um, yeah. And I like what he just said. And it kind of, I was thinking about what I was going to talk about when I first came up here. And, and, and it's like you read my mind. What he said was that we can be used for God. So I'm going to ask you, a, this is not a rhetorical question. This is an actual literal question. How many of you feel like you've been given a second chance? Or you should have been dead? Or God kept you alive for a reason? So am I getting a 100% hand raise here? Okay, I am. Okay. So I would say to you then, if you feel like you should have been dead time and time again, or God has saved you time and time again, or God got you out of jail yet again, he set your feet back up on that rock yet again, then I would say, and I'm pretty sure that I'm right, basically based on what he just said as well, is that we owe a debt. We do. We owe a debt to Christ. Right? He saved us yet again, what, for ourselves? So we could blow it again, so we could do something stupid again? Or do you, would you venture to say that he guessed that he saved us so that we might do something different? Amen? So then who's responsible for doing that something different? The other day, uh, and I, told, I, 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 I peruse the internet all the time just looking at all the latest fads and stupid stuff, and Michelle's like, what's this? I said, that's keto chow. Right, I've been reading this thing, uh, this 100-day keto chow challenge. You just drink these drinks for like 100 days, and you get skinny and sexy and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't know why I need to be sexy, but skinny would be nice, right? Um, but they, all these pouches came packed in a shaker, right? And, and Saturday, I'm just looking at that shaker sitting on the counter, and I'm like, you know, the keto chow only works if you open the shaker, tear open the pouches, pour the stuff in, mix it as directed, and then drink that, and then don't eat like, like you normally do, right? Because that's supposed to be a meal rip. So I, I did. I, I, I got it out, and I tore the pack open, and I added the stuff that it said, and I shook it up, and I jumped in my car, and I headed down to good old days, and I drank it, and I'm like, this is good. I'm on, I'm, I'm on my way. <laughs> yeah. On my way to a pull of sausage and a tri-tip sandwich, some caramel corn. Oh, yeah. So I, I think what I'm trying to say is that it only works if you, if you do what you're supposed to do. And much like what Vanessa said when she started off, why do I do the things that I why don't I do the things that I know that I should, but I do the very things that I, I don't want to do? And then we talk about sin living with us. So. But we know what we need to do. We, we know what we have to do. It's the practice of doing it. So I'm going to go ahead and read all of my text through, and then we're going to come back and talk about it. Amen? So we're in verse 8. It says, first, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you. And this is Paul talking to everybody. I, I like what it says in the heading it says longing to go to Rome. So that would tell us that Paul has someplace he wants to go. Right? We all have places that we want to go, things that we intend to do, right? Amen to that. 
for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So he's starting to hear about the faith of all of these people. I look out at all of you, and I know most of you very well, and I know your faith. So I, I would feel comfortable standing up here saying, it's good to see all of you. I, I, I know of your faith. And that makes me feel good. I, I know that everybody in here is trying to do that different thing, that's trying to take that opportunity that God gave them and yet do something different. And I'm happy for that, and I'm glad. And it, it invigorates me. It, it gives me energy. It excites me. It makes me want to read and learn more so that I can then explain what I know so that you can learn more. Yeah, it, it, like Vanessa said, grab a notebook, write something down, take a note, write something down. Ernst always tells me, that he learned something. That makes me feel good. Because when I look at Ernst, I respect Ernst. I feel like I can learn from him. Just watching him as a man, I learn from him. Watching the integrity that he has, I learn from him. So when he says, oh, I learned something from you, that makes me feel really good because I feel like he's somebody that I learned from. And the beauty about this is when you start to learn and you're able to give somebody that word in that moment and you're like, where did that come from? Like, where did that, I didn't know I knew a Bible verse. Doesn't that kind of feel good? You're like, where did that come from? It just kind of drops, it's like one of those little gems. I'm sorry, I'm going to finish reading. Uh, <laughs> For all my witness, I'm served within my spirit of the gospel and his son. With, so without ceasing, I mention to you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will that I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart, some spirits, uh, impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you. That is, that we may mutually be encouraged by each other's faith, both in yours and in mine. Verse 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap the harvest among you as well as the rest of the Gentiles, for I am, I am under the obligation to both Greeks and barbarians, to the wise and to the foolish, so that I am eager to preach the gospel to those of you who are in Rome. And so this is kind of the perfect example of how we plan. I say this all the time. I, I get up in the morning and I have my routine and I, I kind of go through my day and I plan what's going to happen. Well, I forget to plan in the 37 jail calls and or the six walk-ins or the benevolence or the, or the this phone call or that person I haven't seen in 10 years stopping by. I don't factor all. So my, na my days never, never seem to go much how I plan them to go. I look at cash and cash. Cash is a contractor. You know, cash will lay in bed and think, well, I got to go to the hardware store and get some nails and, some, and jack and some two-by-fours and some siding and some this and some that. And then you get to the job and the customer totally changes what you want to do. You messed up my whole day. You know, I had planned on doing this, but now everything is different. You know, God laughs. Proverbs 19.9 says we can make our plans, but it's the Lord's that determines our steps. So you can make plans all you want, but I... I it, also, blessed are the flexible, right? Just, just be available. You never know what God might want to use you to do. You never know 
that God might want to just slow you down for a minute just to talk to somebody, to encourage somebody, to be there for somebody, you know? And it's true, the Lord does determine our steps. Um, so let's go back and go through this. And I, I, I love this, how Paul wants to go to Rome, and he talks about the Gentiles. That is the last, the last, the last people group that he wanted to talk to, right? He didn't want to talk to the Gentiles. He wanted to talk to the Jews, right? That's who he wanted to talk to. When you look at ministry, everybody kind of has their niche. Like, I like, I want to do children's ministry or high school ministry or there's jail ministry or somebody was asking about juvenile hall. I, I used to go to the juvenile hall. I never felt real comfortable. It wasn't my thing, but I did it. I did it because I w- was going with somebody that really enjoyed doing it. So we have the things that we, we like to do, and we have the things that the Lord gives us to do. But the beauty about Paul is he didn't get to do what he wanted to do, but he was asked or called to do something different, and he did it with enthusiasm. He did it to every bit of his ability. You know, I, I, I've openly shared, I did not want to start this meeting. It was Susie that wanted me to start this meeting. And I got shipped off to Los Angeles to, or San Diego to spend the weekend with some guy I'd never met in my life that bought my mentor found online. And I'm like, I just, I just got out of the hospital. I just had a stroke. I can't dress myself. I could barely shower. I could barely walk. I'm going to get shipped down to San Diego to live with some guy that's going to have to take care of me that doesn't know me. I'm going to go to some conference I don't want to go to and come back and start some kind of meeting that I don't want to have anything to do with. Um, and the beauty was I tried to get rid of it over and over, and God just kept sticking it back in my face over. The person that I tried to, that I, the person that I picked as the very perfect person, this is the person, this This is who God is telling me needs to do it. And I brought it to him, and he said no. No. And the funny thing is, a couple years ago, he actually had to come into the bridge. He said, see, I told you I wasn't wasn't the right guy for this um, this job. Um, But there comes a time when you have to reconcile with God, and you have to say, okay, it's not my will, it's your will. And then allow him to allow you to do the thing he's urging you to do. And then it blesses you. And then you start, it starts blessing other people around you. And it starts affecting other people around you. I want you to think about this for a moment. One addicted person directly affects over 75 people. Indirectly, like three to 500 people. Okay, because you're affecting your mama, and she's got to go to work, and she's affecting her coworkers, and that's affecting their families when they get home, and that's affecting the boss and his family, and everybody else that's got to pick up the slack because you're out scoring dope or late or in jail or whatever. So one positive person affects more, because what you guys have to think about is the interesting thing about Calvary Monterey is they embrace addicts. Amen. So people that bring people to this church and they go to the grill and they're like, hey, all these guys are in rehab? Seriously? But they're so nice. They seem so normal. 
they, they seem like they really like each other. I, I just want to tell you guys, when, when Heather was singing, the girls were having a kumbaya moment. They were hugging, and they were crying. I looked over here just hoping maybe some of you, y'all were over hugging and crying. No. You guys, still, you guys still have to have the empty chair between you. Come on. Oh, come on. So what you're saying to me is in a few weeks, I'm going to look over here, and I'm going to see the kumbaya moments with some hugging and some tears, and then I'm going to look over here and expect it too. Is that what you're telling me? So I have a, can I get a witness? All right. Thank you. You heard it said right here. All right, so I like because you're, uh, uh, so Paul's saying that your guys' faith is proclaimed to the world, that their, their faith in Christ has become famous. As I would say to you guys that people, we did good old days this weekend in Pacific Grove, and I am shocked. I am beyond shocked. It seems like everybody knows about this meeting and this church and the bridge, and the work that the bridge does. I'm, I'm, I mean, Michelle was in the booth, and she was like, I am, everybody knows. This lady, I was in, I just walked in the booth for a moment, and this lady was looking at seven. She was being kind of like, this stuff's expensive, and, you know, kind of cranky. And I'm like, man, that, if you know how, how many hundreds of hours my wife put into making that, you'd say it was cheap, man. So it's like, she's making like five cents an hour. Um, but then the word second chance, oh, you guys didn't tell me you were from the bridge. That makes all the difference. And I was like, that's crazy. So what, I, what I'm saying is your guys' faith here goes out and people hear of it. And people come. And people may listen and people may get saved and people may change their life. And they may affect a different group of people than we even knew about. So I would say to you guys, much like Paul is saying to them, I, I know your faith or I have heard your faith. I hear people talk about your faith and I love it, right? People get involved and I'm like, I thought I was the only one that loved all these crazy people. But we have people that are volunteering to drive people to visitations. And, and you know, Anthony over here, when he, he emailed the bridge when he heard everybody was sick, do you guys need me to go work at the store? Do you need something or do you need rides? I mean, just, they want to help. You know, Ernst, hey, what can I do? People picking up the phone, how can we help you guys Why some of you guys are sick? So people hear of your faith. And that is an awesome and blessed thing. It's even recorded here in the Bible. So I, I'm saying people are hearing of your guys' faith and your recovery and the encouragement is going out and it's encouraging other people to hopefully, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but eventually that person is going to come and have the opportunity for that, that life transformation. Amen? So, for God is my witness whom I am served with my, my spirit in the gospel of his son, without ceasing, I mention you. I like that, without ceasing, because that's like all the time, right? Can we do something all the time? It's nice to do something enough where it's almost automatic. 
I was thinking the other day, uh, back in my old school days when I was going to college to be a paramedic, you know, learning about the nervous system, you know, learning about the autonomic nervous system, how there's things that just happen that we don't have to think. You don't have to, can you imagine if you had to think every time you wanted your heart to beat? Or you had to think every time you wanted to breathe? How would you sleep? Right? You wouldn't. You'd be like, oh, oh, I gotta breathe. Or oh, I gotta tell my heart. No, so there's things that just happen automatically, and they happen without ceasing. Your your intestines move and your bowels work and your skin grows and your hair grows and you and you breathe. You don't have to think about it, it just automatically happens. Right? It's autonom it's the autonomic nervous system, it's involuntary. It's nice when we get to a point where we, we're in the word enough or we're around the right people enough or we're into the worship enough or we're into the word enough or we're listening to stuff enough where a response that used to be negative becomes now automatic in a positive way. I've been around or been away from just horrible language long enough that when I'm around somebody, it's just, it's just foul. It's just like... I, lo I love my barber. I love, I, I love Phil. Uh, I love Phil. Um, it was funny. I saw him at the, he's a big supporter of the bridge. I saw him at the good old days, and he's wearing his bridge shirt. And he said, you know, I never thought of it this morning when I got up to come to good old days or go to work at the barber shop, and I put on my bridge shirt because, you know, I love the bridge, Mike. And I go down to good old days until everybody started asking me, hey, can you help unload this truck? Hey, can you go move those chairs? He said, and then I realized everybody thought I was in the bridge. I was like, that's hilarious, Phil. Everybody thought you were in the bridge. But he's just somebody that, that loves the bridge, that supports the bridge. You know? So we, we need to do things until they become habit. You know what I mean? So that people look at us and things are different. And I'll get back to the Phil thing um, because I, I didn't forget about that. The reason I brought that up is I, I love when I'm getting a haircut and there's people in there just yucking it up. Because it's a barber shop, right? And there is just some, there's some talking going on in there. And Phil just loves, he just loves it. There'll, there'll be some guys just get in the thick of it. And Phil goes, what do you think of that, Pastor Mike? Oh, you guys don't know Pastor Mike? Yeah, this is Pastor Mike. Say hi to him over there. He's from a, a Calvary church out here in Monterey. He runs the bridge. Man, it just ruins the, it just, man, this is like, dang. I was like, Philip, man, I, I wanted to hear the end of that joke, but you know. Uh, but, but it's nice when you are so far removed from that. That when you hear it, it's like, that's, it, it's just, I don't even want it, to, it's not who you are anymore. Because you have become so different because you've done so many things intentionally that now these things are just automatic. You, you automatically do the right thing. You, you're like, well, where did that come from? That's not what I would normally do. I wouldn't normally care if that person didn't have food. Or I wouldn't normally care, you know, and stop or help that person to do that. We start to do these things, and this new, these new things start becoming automatic, and it's like, wow. And you, you even start to notice the little changes yourself, and it, you might even like, hey, this is, I'm, I'm changing. This is cool. 
You know, amen. That, because that's what it's about. It's about the redemptive and the changing power of Jesus Christ in our lives, right? Who makes us whole. And he makes us different. Like, like I said, we had 100% hand raised in the beginning, so everybody in here agreed that God saved us for something. So but what is that? If it's simply to be nice to somebody, then simply, then that's what it is. Maybe God has a plan for you. Maybe God has a path for you. Maybe he's going to use you. Maybe he's going to send you somewhere. I know Michelle is convinced that Marcus has to go to Africa, you know? And she's, I, I told her she can go with him, right? I'm not convinced God wants me to go to Africa, but if Michelle is convinced that Marcus and, is going to go, then I said, then you and Marcus should go to Africa, you know? And Chelsea, amen, amen to that. So, but he says that you're always in your prayers asking somehow that God's will that I may succeed in coming for you. So Paul really wants to go and be with the people who he hears their faith is doing so well. For me, it was hard the two years that the jail was closed because I wanted to be in there. I, want, I love going in there and just hanging out, opening your Bible. And it's amazing, and these ladies can agree with me back here, the hunger within that jail is so insane. You know, when you go in there, they don't want to hear war stories. They don't want to watch movies. They don't want to watch DVDs. They don't want to talk about the news. They want to talk about the word. They want to... They want to talk about what they read in the daily bread. And what does that mean? Or how do I use this in my life? How do I become? That's what they want to know. Right? And it, it's, it's great. It, it's great because if they don't like it, they, just, they can't get up and leave. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the perfect captive audience. You know? You know, right here, if you don't like something I say, you're just going to get up and you're just going to go and you're just going to, or you're just going to sit in the bathroom until it's over. Um, but there, they actually, they're, they're locked in a room with you, right? And I guess that's okay until you get one of them mad at you, right? And then, and then I had to realize, well, I can't get out either. So I better develop a relationship with all of these ladies. Um, and, I, and I have over the years. But the sad thing for me is going back, going back after being gone for over two years, I'm like, I thought you got out, and you got out, and you got out, and you got out, and I, well, I thought you, and you went to prison, and you got, and, but, and then it's the head hanging. It's, I know, I know. And then it goes back to what Vanessa said out of Romans. Why, why don't, what the heck, why, is, why does this keep happening? And we have to realize that it's sin living within you, and if sin is living within you, you know it. If you know you have cancer, you're going to go, you're either going to be, holistic crazy and do juices and this and that and cleanses? Are you going to go to a doctor and you're going to get chemotherapy? You're going to treat what's going on with you. So if you know that you have still have sin hanging around in you and what areas of your life it's affecting, you're going to go figure out how to take care of that. Is it, do I need to hang around more people, different people? Do I need to read more, study more? Do I need to understand myself? You're going to figure out what it is and you're going to correct it, right? I know, I know very few people go, oh, I've got cancer. Okay, I'm just going to lay here and die. Right? Uh, uh, it's too late. I'm dead. You know? Because sometimes you can live with cancer for 20 years, right? So it's about quality of your life. Well, what about the quality of our life now? God has delivered you from addiction. He's delivered you from sin. So why just live out time and just serve time? Why don't you improve the quality of your life 
and let God worry about the quantity, right? Because if our days are truly numbered, and I believe they are, the quantity, that's, that's already a done deal, right? Like I've said a million times, when you look at a headstone in the cemetery, it says 1902 to whatever, all right? So both dates have already been determined. What you're, you, have the, you have the little time in the middle. I call it the dash. That's your time. But you don't know how, what that is. It's like Pastor Manny sharing yesterday. You don't know what that time is. Are you making the best use of it, right? Are you making use of all of it? Are you just doing, doing it halfway? Are you doing it like so many other things that we've done in our life? Oh, I could have done a better job, right? I could have stu- How many people say they could have studied harder in school and been something or done something? I say it all the time. Man, I could have really... Done something, you know. I, I think for me, when I was in high school, I was I had all these aspirations, and I took this stupid test, and it told me that I should be a social worker. And I was so discouraged by that, I just kind of gave up on everything else. It's like I'm not a stupid. Why, why would I want to be a social worker? I hate to say it, I'm kind of a social worker, you know. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Um, Maybe there was something in the test. Um, so, but Paul wants to see you, to, he, he wants to strengthen you. And remember, previously, I read in the book of Acts, he's saying, now I want to strengthen you. Earlier, he was saying, I want to do what? I want to kill you. Remember that? I have permission from the priest to kill you, to throw you in jail, to throw rocks at you, to lock you up, to throw away the key. Now he's saying, I want to help you. I want to pray for you. I want to support you. I want to love you. I want to visit you. I want to be involved in your life. I want to lift you up. What was the change? Who? Jesus. Jesus? Yeah, that, that, that was the change on the road to Damascus. And you all have had your own personal road to Damascus experience. And they all look different. Ernst. He, he's very open to his road to Damascus experience. It was his son, and then his brother. It maybe was your daughter, your cousin, your brother. Maybe it was that stint in prison. Maybe it was going to jail yet again. Maybe it was that fifth DUI. You know, <clears throat> maybe somebody you know died. It doesn't matter what your road to Damascus experience is. What matters is that you realize that's what it is, and you take advantage of that. You say, okay, yeah, God saved me again, so am I going to yet waste this opportunity? Or am I going to do something different? You know, he wants to strengthen you. And he goes on to say that we may mutually encourage because it encourages him. How many of you, when you look around and you see somebody coming back, doing better, how many of you, does does that encourage you? It encourages the heck out of me. I get to see people just totally strung out. You know, I, I, I could see Stephen in the back. I, I used to follow him around seaside, um, hoping that he would, like, talk to me. Finally, he let me give him a ride one day, and I, was, I gave him my speech, and it didn't work, and I did it again and again and again and again, you know. Now to see him graduate a program, start truck driving school, you know, being reunited with his family, doing good, you know, coming in on, on Sundays and volunteering. It's just like it does my heart good. 
I think it does me as much or more good than it does him, right? It, 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 it makes things to me worthwhile, right? And that's what Paul is saying, not only to him, but to, to, to the people, man, you guys are doing awesome. I hear about your good works. I want to encourage you. But you know what? You encourage me. You guys encourage me. You do. I'm leaving at like 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm taking some people, and I'm going down to Homeboys Industries in Los Angeles. I'm so bummed Ernst was supposed to go, but he couldn't go. And they work with, you have to be, you can't just be a, you just can't be like a gangbanger, all right? You, you, like, not just a regular one. Because the gangbanger gangbangers, they interview you. And if you're just like a wannabe banger, right, or a little banger, they, you're not getting in, Right? I was in there, and I'm like looking at people going, man, that guy looks like he's going to kill me. And they're sending him away because he's not, he's not, he's not ghetto enough, right? <laughs> I mean, are. they deal with the most severe gang members in Los Angeles County, right? They're the people waiting on you, right? The guy, the, I love this guy. I hope he's my waiter tomorrow. He looks like he just killed like a whole, like, like, a whole, like, village of people. I mean, he is scary. If you saw him on the streets, you would say, oh, I'm scared. That guy is scary, right? But then he whips out his little pad and takes your order, and he brings you your chilaquiles and your mole. Austin, yeah, I'll get some of that in honor of you tomorrow. But I go there because it encourages me, Right? Why else would I drive all the way down there at 5 o'clock in the morning? Because I want to go and be refreshed and encouraged and in, even more invigorated so I can come back and bring even more encouragement back, you know? So that's kind of like what it does for me going in there. You guys are awesome. If I saw you on the street, I would think you're going to kill me. But now it's, it's, it's the context. Sitting here, I know you're just going to take my order, right? You see, you see the contrast? When it's, in, when it's out in the world or out in the street, we can be really scary people. But when it's in the context of a meeting or the grill of the church, it's like it's the other part of you comes through. People are like, oh, you're, oh, you don't want my wallet. You're going to take my plate, right? You're going to wipe my table. You're going to bring me some salt and pepper, maybe refill my water. You see, you see what I'm saying? We mutually encourage people that see us. And Paul is just stoked on this, you know. In verse 3, I do not would be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you. So he's just letting him know, don't be, people get mad at me all the time. I thought you were going to come and see me in jail. I thought you were going to come. And they, they get really angry with me. I'm like, I, I can't spend every day going to the jail. I just can't. I, I have responsibilities. But people are just like, well, so... I was some I really wanted to come. I've been trying to come for like a really long time. I talk to people sometimes for months, sometimes for years. Years. We talk to people on the phone for years before they come to us. You know, and like, oh well, you know, you you know, I called like eight hundred times and you know, you finally answered the phone. But they don't understand that's not our intent. It goes back to the beginning, is to, you know what I said. We make our plans, but God guides our steps. So it doesn't matter what I intend, it's what does God intend, 
you know. So Paul's just encouraging them, hey, I know I told you I was going to come. I'm not there yet. I'm really sorry. Don't be angry with me, all right? People are mad at me all the time because I can't catch them at the jail all the time. Um, when, when Casey was in jail, right, he wanted me to come and see him. And one day, Bob just called and said, hey, I know it's the middle of COVID, but they just said you could come in. And we could walk around with masks on. And we did. And who's screaming at me through the bars? Mike! Right? Dude, I've been calling you like 500 times. Right? Well, it worked out the way it worked out. It worked out in God's timing. It's not that I didn't want to go. So Paul is saying, you guys, you guys should know I want to come. I want to do all I can, but I have yet to be able to come. So please, I'm encouraged by how you're doing. I hope I'm encouraging you. And he's talking about that he wants to go reap the harvest. He wants to see all the good things that God is doing there. Because he wants to have his heart encouraged. And, you know, and he also says, I'm under obligation. So he realizes this about himself, and this is what's important. Okay. I am under obligation to both the Greeks and to the barbarians. Right? I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do. I'm obliged to help anybody that wants it. Right? To both the wise and the foolish. Right? If I picked people by the way I want it, I wouldn't want that responsibility. I know when you're like in Hollywood and you're walking around and there's the Scientology people, they're like, hey, you want to do an IQ test? Right? Right? They only want the smart ones. But I'm thinking, well, if you're only going to get the smart ones, they're going to figure out pretty soon this is crazy. You know, I'm like, so I only want the people that want, that want to change. I don't care how smart you are. You know, people calling, well, can I get into the bridge if I have a felony? <laughs> no, we don't, we don't take felons. I'm sorry. You've been talking to the wrong people. Um, yes. Well, we, yes, we take felons. We take murderers. We take thieves. We take liars. We take cheaters. We take... Anybody. So Paul is saying, I do whatever God tells me to do. I'm going to deal with everybody, but I'm going to deal with everybody on an equal plane because that's how we have to do it. They are, they are whose people? They're God's. They're not, not, not my people. I'm just responsible to do what God's asked me to do. And it, so it doesn't matter, you know, if you've like, well, you know, when you're interviewing somebody and they're like, well, I stole the car. Well, oh, okay. Well, you know, I've sold 15 cars. Okay. I just had one caveat. Caveat. When I was talking to that person, I, I don't forget how many cars it was, 11 or 15. Um, if they're here, they can correct me. They probably won't, though. And I said, the only thing I have is when you come into the don't steal my car. But that's my only deal. You can come to the bridge. We love you. We want you to be here. Just don't steal my car. 
And so the very, the very first night she was there, I got up and, and I opened the door and Michelle was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Making sure my car's there. <laughs> it was just human nature. I'm sorry. I felt bad. I'm like, I did. I felt really, I probably looked like for the first couple of weeks. Um, but the point I'm making is that Paul is saying, I'm here for all of God's people, whether they're Jew or Gentile, whether they're the smartest person in the world or the dumbest person in the world. It doesn't matter. My job is to reach them, to teach them, to preach to them, to all of God's people, and to teach them all of God's word. So my thing to you guys is, what is God calling you to do, and how are you treating all of God's people, right? Think about that. How do you treat all of God's people? Do you treat them as God would want you to treat them? Right? Yeah, I know that we tempers flare and we say things and that things. I mean, you know, it's not laughing every day out of the girl's house. Most of the time it's just. <laughs> right on cue. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, shut the door, man. I'll hear it. Like, say, See? It's just like nonstop giggling. It's like, holy cow. You know? Their house flooded last night, and they're giggling about it. <laughs> We're like, this is not funny. We've been working for like 12 hours of good old days. We just sat at a dinner, and there's like sewage in your house. Why is that funny? It's apparently funny. Um, I didn't think it was funny, but amen that they can laugh about it. Praise the Lord, right? So, so think about... What is your attitude toward things? Let's do that. How, what is your attitude toward a situation? If you can laugh about it, why not? Right? Why not? You know? Why not? They're still laughing about it. It was last night. Like, they're like, sorry to bug you in the middle of your dinner, but we just saw a turd floating across the kitchen. And I'm like, why? 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 You know, please. We will always keep it real here, so anyway. Um, but it's, it's our attitude about things, you guys, right? If we can find the humor in things, if we can find the lighter side of things, then that's how we should, that, that's how we should respond to things. Because getting mad doesn't do anything, right? It doesn't do any good. It's not going to make things go away. It's not, it's not going to make the mess clean itself up. So we just have to say, how am I going to... How am I going to respond to the situation? And am I, and am I going to respond in, 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 in a way that's going to honor God and a way that's going to honor myself and keep my integrity? Or am I just going to go crazy? Well, I think we know how we should respond, and hopefully that's the way we do respond. But the reason we go through this and we read all these things and we take them also slowly, slowly is that so we can absorb them, we can learn from them. Right? So we can, like, okay. Maybe I'm encouraged somebody, you know, maybe I'm encouraging somebody by the way I'm living my life. And I would say to you that you, you are. You're encouraging me. You're, they're still, it's still funny. I think it'll still be funny next week. Um, so, so, as you go home tonight and you start the week and you think about it, just think about how can you 
yourself be an encouragement to somebody else? And I think the most important question you can ask yourself is, why did yet God save me yet again? For what purpose? I asked people a really long time ago, and it's a good exercise. I think, I think Greg Miller was the only one that did it, was to write a personal mission statement. And if you don't know what a mission statement is, look it up. You know, it's just in a few, uh, just in a few words, what, what am I about? What is my mission in this world, right? You know, the, 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 like the, the bridge, we, we simply say life restored, you know? And then we have, that's our vision, that we have a mission statement that's a little more in depth, but like, God saved me for what and what am I going to do? Am I going to encourage, be nice, mentor, what, what, is it, what is it you're going to do with this time you have or this opportunity or this chance you've been given? And how can you use it to change and better yourself and better yet, how can you use it to glorify God? Amen?